Hello, and welcome to this edition of the X-Zone UK podcast and the 13th episode of the Yellow King Blues. Looking back over the past few files, or rather listening back over the past few files that Adam Jones went ahead and posted whilst I was having my Whitney Idol experience, things finally seemed to be turning good for the FBI investigators. Firstly, escaping the clutches of Majestic 13, and then getting the former district attorney, John Edwards, to confess to a terrible miscarriage of justice, albeit under duress, has led to the exposure of some of Victor Steno's occult crime organisation. The team are now urgently following up on his evidence, as Special Agent Bradley Wilmot now details in File 23. Although, as you'll hear, it's not the first thing on his mind. Special Agent Brad Wilmot... Personal Journal, Thursday, December 11th, 2008, 2023 hours. You can't go back, isn't that what they say? Looks like Devereaux knows a thing or two about that, at least according to Beverly, who got partnered with our mysterious redhead today. Even after cigarettes, ice cream, and a soda, she couldn't get her to open up about whatever was making her go all insular after a day out in the Bayou Parishes. You see, that's the difference between us Marines and the rest of the world. No secrets in a USMC platoon. Your life is theirs, and their life is yours. Personally, I think that's a lot healthier. Okay, I admit I lost it a little after Parisi just disappeared into the breeze. I have seen many things I'd rather forget, but that definitely moved into top slot. Today began with a team meeting. You know, maybe we are beginning to gel as a unit. People seem to be getting their collective shit together on that score as time has gone by. There's a tipping point whereby you've all gone through enough together to know you can relate and trust the person next to you. I'm at that stage with everyone, except for Pierce. He takes extra work. We reviewed John Edwards' evidence, which was substantial enough to open up a few new lines of inquiry into Steno and his crew. Or should I say, crew with a K, but more on that later. The first was the Haitian, Derek Loville, Steno's cadaverous ninja-like paymaster who comes and goes like the wind. Apparently he appears, usually when you least expect him, hands you your dirty money and then vanishes again. On the face of it, it's not the worst possible event, except for the lingering sense of cosmic wrongness he apparently leaves behind. I have to say, I know the feeling. Every time the IRS sends me a letter, I have exactly the same reaction. Anyway, it's hard to see how we can interdict someone whose ability to travel is at least unconventional, so we moved on to target two. This was Boytesh's boss, and the rumored leader of an occult underground crime gang known as the Zobop. Frost and Pierce shook down an informant who used to be LCN, but now specializes in hot dogs and warm goods. He was reluctant to speak about our man, whose name is Django Jones. Jones is Jamaican by origin, an arts and crafts dealer with his own gallery and big house over in Gulfport. Jones is also known to own several bars in the Algiers region of New Orleans. Low-rent dives, mostly, where pink skins are rarely seen. Other than getting a load of warnings about Jones being bad news, they didn't get too far. Target three was industrialist and squeaky-clean philanthropist Elgin Thibodeau 
and his right-hand man, Christian Lomax. Chief and I took a ride down to Poydras Avenue in the Central Business District to try and meet Mr. Lomax, only to find him away on business, and his personal assistant overly interested in our business with him. We did pick up a very intriguing prospectus on the crew of Honorable Swords, that's crew with a K, whose sigil happens to be the yellow sign that has been seen all over the city. Part of their marketing campaign, apparently. Now, Chief and I weren't aware of this at the time, but as it turns out, the team were already aware of this sign, having uncovered an open gate to the place where the King in Yellow is due to come from, the dread city of Carcosa, in the French quarter of the city. The signs are draining the spiritual reserves of the denizens of New Orleans and channeling them to Carcosa, which in turn is becoming more materially real out in Lake Pontchartrain. Steno was heading towards this critical conjunction on January the 15th, when presumably enough spiritual power will be available to power his transformation. And as of this moment, there's nothing we can do to stop him. Or is there? Edwards' main information was in Steno's right hand, and I wonder how much his plans would be affected if we were able to take this guy down. I've only met him once, but Charles H. Dupont is not a man you easily forget. He looks like he stepped out of a TV commercial for Del Monte. White suit, Panama hat and cane. There's no denying Dupont is well connected, but he may also be a mass murderer. Edwards opened an investigation on him when a mass grave containing the skeletal remains of ten men was uncovered in the Atakapis Wildlife Management Area following Katrina. The Iberia Parish Sheriff's Department ran the initial investigation until Edwards handed it over to the state police. By all accounts, Sheriff's Detective Dave Burke got a lot further than his state counterparts. Only four of the incomplete bodies could be identified, and Dupont became a person of interest, as his plantation is 30 miles east of where the grave was found. That's a long way, you'd think, but his land is the first you come to the intervening terrain being Bayou Swamplands. So Bev and Red headed out to Liberia Parish, deep in Bayou country, to find out more about the case, and working their charm managed to befriend Sheriff Helen Swallow. A career law enforcer and a lady of the USMC would have been proud to have served in the Green Machine. The case file gave us the names of the four dead that could be identified. Darius and Dwayne Bow, Lawrence Cross, and Robbie G. Detective Burke had followed up on these men, all of whom had been involved in petty crime and had lived in either Henderson or Bro Bridge, both in St. Charles Parish. That was where the girls next stop, where they met Denisha Bow, mother of the deceased brothers. Denisha was welcoming, although her house guest, Jeanette Lafarve, who had gone to school with the Bow boys, was less so. Bev observed the trappings of Santeria around the home, a hybrid religion of African gods mixed with Catholic saints that the Negro slaves had brought to the plantations in Louisiana. Now something weird happened in that house that spun Deborah out and left Bev a little spooked. She then insisted the others should come and meet with her mother, Mama Marie, a Santero or a priest of the faith. Devereaux asked why and was showed something that shocked her. An egg floating in water that was, when cracked was just blood. 
The long and short of it, something wicked this way comes. I think Chief spoke to Devereaux when she got back, although she had already spent half the drive back to the city in deep conversation with a male friend who spoke French. We were probably thinking it was Mike Hamlin. Whatever he found out, Clee didn't impress. Chief left her alone, and he himself looked a little pale. Just another day in the Crescent City. So, interesting developments, aren't they? Uh, there are a few more episodes of this season to be completed before we move on, and then we'll be jumping down a whole new rabbit hole in Season 3. I wonder if any of you out there have heard of the words, or the places, Cellophase and Dilathlene. If so, I'd like to hear from you. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Yellow King Blues.